Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show lined up for you today, including guests William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow at Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll be visiting with Sally Williams. She is the chair uh, of the board for Books for Call Your Kids. Terrific program. We'll find out about that. And also Megan Rose, the CEO of an unbelievable organization, Better Together. Uh, we'll t- find out about Nationwide Day of Second Chances. And Ryan Young. Senior economist at the Competitive Enterprise Institute will be joining us as well. It is May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo, and on this day in 1862 during the uh, uh, French-Mexican War, that went from 1861 to 1867, an outnumbered Mexican army defeated a powerful invading French force at Puebla. The retreat of the French troops at the Battle of Puebla represented a great moral victory for the people of Mexico, symbolizing the country's ability to defend its sovereignty against a powerful foreign nation. In 1861, Benito Juarez became president of Mexico, a country in financial ruin, and he was forced to default on the debts to European governments. In response, France, Britain, Spain, and sent uh, naval forces to Veracruz to demand reimbursement. Britain and Spain negotiated with Mexico and withdrew, but France, ruled by Napoleon III, decided to use the opportunity to carve a dependent empire out of Mexican territory. Later in 1861, a well-armed French fleet stormed Veracruz, landing a large French force and driving President Juarez and his government into retreat. Certain uh, that the French victory would come swiftly in Mexico, 6,000 French troops under General Charles uh, Lorenz set out in May 1862 to attack Puebla de Los Angeles. From his uh, new headquarters in the north, Juarez rounded up a ragtag force of loyal men and sent them to Puebla, led by General Ignacio Zarazoga, an estimated 2,000 to 5,000 Mexicans fortified the town and prepared for an assault by the well-equipped French force. On the fifth day of May, or Cinco de Mayo, Lorenz gathered his uh, army and began an attack from the north side of Puebla. The battle lasted from daybreak until early evening after Lorenz realized his superior French force was losing far more troops than the Mexicans. He completely withdrew his defeated army. Though not a major or a strategic victory in the overall war against the French, Zarazoga's uh, victory at Puebla galvanized Mexican re- resistance, and six years later, the French, French withdrew. Later the same year, Australian Archduke Ferdinand Maximilian, who had been installed as Emperor of Mexico by Napoleon in 1864, was captured and executed by a firing squad. Not a happy end for him. Puebla lost Los Angeles, de Los Angeles, the site of Saratoga's Zaragoza's uh, historic victory was renamed Puebla de Zaragoza in honor of the general. Today, Mexicans and Mexican-Americans celebrate the anniversary of the uh, Battle of Puebla at Cinco de Mayo, a holiday in the state of Puebla. Happy Cinco de Mayo to all our listeners. And of course, that's a holiday 
not just in Mexico, but here across the United States. Uh, be, be responsible on Cinco de Mayo. Well, uh, Florida Surgeon General Joseph uh, Ladapo was recommended for reappointment by the Senate uh, uh, yesterday by a vote of 27 to 12. The uh, Senate Ethics and Election Committee and the Health Policy Committee recommended his confirmation before the floor vote. The Senate also approved 15 other agency heads. I'm honored to continue serving as Florida's Surgeon General. We are committed to advancing the mission of public health, and it wouldn't be possible without the fantastic work of our dedicated team. Ladapo responded following the news. He was appointed to a position on September the 21st, 2021, and went under intense scrutiny from Democrats in the legislature during the hearings. He was later confirmed in February 2022. In November, Governor Ron DeSantis announced that Ladapo would remain in his position. In October 2022, Ladapo announced a new mRNA COVID-19 vaccine guidance advising against males aged 18 to 39 from taking these vaccines due to a reported 84% increase in relative incidence of heart-related deaths. And Thank you, uh, Dr. Ladapo, for saying that out loud. He also warned about the risks of vaccinating healthy children with no underlying conditions. In November 2022, Ladapo took to social media to warn parents to keep COVID-19 vaccines away from their children following a report that the New England Journal of Medicine came out with. Uh, Ladapo has been extensive medical background, serving as the professor of the University of Florida College of Medicine before being appointed. He graduated from Harvard Medical School to receive his MD, received his PhD in health policy from Harvard Graduate School of Arts and Sciences. Uh, Ladapo, I think he was also a professor, endowed professor at the University of uh, UCLA. Dr. Ladapo has done a great job uh, as Surgeon General. His evidence-based principles serve as a counterweight to the increasingly political positions of the entrenched medical establishment, especially on schools, mass, and mRNA shots. DeSantis said, happy to announce he'll be returning for a second term. I'm pleased, too. Uh, if I'm uh, going to listen to anybody about public health, it's Dr. Ladapo. I think what he says makes a lot of common sense. Hey, get some sunshine. Get some exercise. Lose some weight. <laughs> eat good food. I mean, these things are common sense, and, of course, they're being pushed aside, I think, by the current uh, public health establishment. Well, since the beginning of 2023, there's been over 120 school shooting incidents across America, according to the K-12 shooting uh, database. Last year marked the most incidents on record in American schools, causing many to worry about how to stop the record-breaking trend from continuing. One month after an active shooter killed six in Covenant School in Nashville, school security consultants reported many uh, districts considering their safety plans in the wake of another shooting. For some, that involves discussions surrounding more guns on campuses. In Spirit Lake, Iowa, the school board voted in late November 2022 to allow 10 non-teaching staff members to carry a handgun on campus A policy went into effect after staff completed hours of training with Peterson firearms. To me, that makes so much sense. Who cares more about the kids uh, uh, than their parents? Well, uh, no one, actually, but uh, teachers are a close second, perhaps. 
And it makes sense to, for anybody who's considering violence on a campus to know that there are armed teachers in the school. They don't know which ones, but I think it may change their attitudes about approaching such a vulnerable uh, population. Well, uh, Judge John Torbitsky ruled on Tuesday that Soros-funded Circuit Attorney General uh, Kim Gardner will be tried for willfully neglecting her duties. She came under attack last week after her office skipped out on another St. Louis shooting trial. What is required to prove willful neglect, therefore, is that the public official was aware of an official duty, yet made a conscious decision not to act in accordance with the duty, Torbitsky wrote. In other words, if a public official has refused to perform their official duties, then that official would be guilty of willful neglect, he said. Well, she finally resigned yesterday following bipartisan calls for a resignation from Missouri public officials. Gardner has been bankrolled through uh, two of her campaigns by George Soros, and she was planning to run for re-election next year. Gardner has been uh, criticized repeatedly for mishandling cases for the dysfunction in her office. So this is good news. Uh, justice is slow, but it grinds fine. And uh, these Soros-backed attorneys, public officials, uh, uh, hopefully we can start sweeping the broom and getting, getting rid of them because... They are creating havoc in the communities uh, where they're serving. Well, a federal jury in Washington, D.C. convicted four members of the Proud Boys, including former leader Enrique Tarrio, of seditious conspiracy for their role in the January 6th Capitol attack. The defendants were charged with plotting to keep former President Donald Trump in power after the contested 2020 election. The jury failed to reach a decision on the sedition charge for defendant Dominic Pozzola, although he was convicted of other serious felonies. The prosecution was unable to prove any coordination between Donald Trump and the extremist group, which breached the Capitol building without carrying firearms. No explanation was given for how this group planned on overturning the U.S. government and retaining power. Dario Pozzola and the other defendants, Ethan Nordine, uh, Joseph Biggs, and Zachary Reel, are now waiting sentencing. The sedition charge is really used and harks back to the Union's efforts to protect the federal government against secessionist rebels during the Civil War. The trial was the last of three major sedition cases that federal prosecutors brought against key figures in the Capitol attack. The sedition trial lasted for over three months and was marked by frequent delays, strained relationships between the defense and prosecution, and a series of rulings by the presiding judge, Timothy J. Kelly, that challenged the limits of conspiracy law. Judge Kelly's, Kelly's decisions permitted prosecutors to present incriminating evidence about the violent conduct and confrontational rhetoric of Proud Boy members who had only minimal ties to the five defendants. The rules also enabled jurors to convict for conspiracy, even though it found that there was no explicit plan to develop election certification, but rather an implicit agreement to do so. The Proud Boys, who've been fighting on the streets since 2017, became a central focus of the FBI's investigation in January 6th within days of the attack. Enrique Tarrio is a former FBI informant. This is such a setup, and I, quite frankly, uh, first of all, there's, this, is mis this is a misuse of justice. They had no intention to overthrow the government. This is the uh, Proud Boys are pretty much a drinking group. They get together uh, occasionally and have a few beers together. But the point being is that uh, this information now is going to be used against Donald Trump. I can assure you there will be charges brought against him tied to these uh, 
uh, to these uh, convictions. It's so sad to see justice violated in so many ways, and we've just talked about three of them, haven't we? It's too bad. Well, as many as uh, 700,000 migrants, a foreign population larger than Boston, Massachusetts, are currently in Mexico waiting to rush the United States-Mexican border when President Joe Biden ends the public health authority known as Title 42 on May the 11th. Now, what's what's Title 42? In 2022, or 2020, former President Donald Trump invoked the public health authority known as Title 42 at the border, ensuring that federal immigration officials have been able to quickly return millions of illegal aliens to Mexico over the last three years. On May the 11th, though, Biden with his will end Title 42 and expand its catch-and-release network to pr- quickly move border crossers and illegal aliens into the United States interior, including deploying 1,500 troops to the border to free up federal immigration officials to process arrivals at the faster pace. No, they're not there to defend the border to keep people from crossing. They're there to help process so that uh, the uh, uh, agents, the uh, federal agents can uh, process people coming into the United States. Representative Andy Biggs' uh, office confirmed that They, too, have been told by officials of the looming 700,000 migrants waiting in Mexico. Such a mass migration event, as the line said, uh, DHS officials called it, would see a foreign population arriving at the border that exceeds the resident population of cities like Boston and Nashville, Tennessee. Yuma County Sheriff uh, Leon Wilmot noted that his law enforcement officers had their hands tied, unable to apprehend and detain border crossers and illegal aliens as federal law would have them charged with kidnapping. Can you believe that? That's unbelievable. So hopefully we'll do something about uh, Title 42 by the 11th uh, of uh, uh, May. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Megan Rose, CEO of Better Together. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend ordinary Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. Big market. <laughs> Shamefully. But nevertheless, I'm grateful for the work that you do. The website is specificlegal.org, specificlegal.org. I hope you check it out. So uh, let's uh, get caught up on a couple things that are going on. First of all, the debt ceiling. Uh, Congress passed, uh, or I should say the House of Representatives passed a bill that sounded uh, very good. What are your thoughts on all this? Well, we're getting near crunch time. So uh, it's an inexact science predicting when the government would run out of money to pay its bills. But uh, And that's because uh, the Treasury can shuffle money around, and we've also got tax revenues coming in. But our best guess is, is anywhere from early June to early August is when the rubber would meet the road mm-hmm. um, and a default would occur. Um, now, as we discussed last week, um, the House GOP, they've issued sort of their first offer in, in these negotiations. They've tied to a debt ceiling increase a number of spending cuts. Um, and as such, the ball is now in the president's court. Yeah. But as we've, I guess, discussed a number of prior Fridays, uh, Biden publicly maintains an insistence uh, that he will not negotiate. Um, that he wants just a clean, what is a quote-unquote clean debt ceiling bill from Congress that has no spending cuts tied to it. Um, Now, notwithstanding his uh, public uh, disavowal of any negotiations, Biden next week on on May 9th scheduled a big meeting with congressional leaders, with uh, Speaker McCarthy in the House, House Minority Leader Jeffries, and uh, uh, House Majority, I'm sorry, Senate Majority Leader Schumer, Senate Minority, uh, Minority Leader uh, McConnell, um, in which rather than negotiate, uh, the White House says he's simply going to outline uh, how dire, how severe any default would be. Um, so th- that is to say, publicly, uh, the White House continues to insist um, that it will not come to the table. 
I don't know how long that can, how long the, the White House can maintain that posture. Um, and that is to say that the politics aren't great uh, on Capitol Hill for the White House on this matter if they continue to insist not to negotiate. Um, there's a handful of, of Democrat, uh, Democrats in the House of Representatives who have indicated they would like the president um, to, to meet in the middle here. And in the Senate, uh, both Manchin and Sinema have indicated as much as well. So uh, the situation is very fluid. We'll know a lot more um, after this May 9th meeting between the White House and congressional leaders. it's unclear, you know, the White House, uh, again, publicly is saying it won't negotiate, but the politics on Capitol Hill are starting to mount. Um, So we'll see. Uh, And again, we've got, you know, the rubber will meet the road um, sometime, you know, between June and August. So we are nearing crunch time. Yeah, uh, you know, to me, I, I just don't understand why McCarthy doesn't say, well, if you're not willing to negotiate, why don't you give me a shout when you when you are, and we'll just go ahead and cancel the meeting on the 9th. That would be bold. That would be hardball. Um, and to be sure, you know, I think he would be justified in doing so. I mean, the, the fact is, while not perfect, um, the House that McCarthy did corral a majority. In his, he has a razor, razor thin um, leeway. I mean, he's only got four votes, a uh, majority in the House. So the fact they passed that bill, uh, uh, the fact they had the discipline to do so, Yes, I, I do think it's incumbent upon the president to come to the table. Um, and, and who is the president to demand what Congress does? I mean, we've got one of the two. One of the two chambers has passed a bill here. Yeah. Um, so his, his, I wouldn't say flippant attitude, but his intransigence, um, I, I do believe, is not justified. So yes, I, uh, McCarthy. Uh, uh, I think it would be his place to perhaps play hardball, but I don't think he's going to do that. No, I, I think it's unusual to deny uh, an invite to the White House. And, you know, a lot of things can be solved by dialogue, so talking is a good idea. But politically, I think that let's cancel the meeting and give me a shout when you want to, when you really want to <laughs> negotiate on this would be pretty bold. You're, you're absolutely right. One other thing, though, uh, Janet Yellen says she's got until June 1st. You're saying June through August. I would suggest that she actually had, could, in, in a way, have the power of the purse, could, wouldn't she? Because she can just decide not to pay uh, the, the, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of bills that uh, don't have to be paid. In other words, they, they're required by law. But uh, for example, pension contributions and so forth. Some of these things can just be put off for a long time. Well, yes, and that, so there is actually, a, as I understand it, a great deal of research uh, being performed right now in the White House and on Capitol Hill, um, or say in the Biden administration regarding what sort of strings can be pulled, what sort of maneuvers uh, can be executed to, just as you say, um, sort of prioritize yeah. the payment of debt over uh, uh, discretionary spending that, uh, while legally obligated, perhaps can take, uh, sort of like in bankruptcy proceedings, when you give priority to your debts. Um, so, uh, no, no, I don't disagree with that. And look, what you point at is... is uh, sort of a, the big unknown here. Yeah. Um, we haven't gone through this before, and there are all sorts of these uh, fiscal mechanisms at hand yeah. which could be deployed. So uh, th- that is to say, even when the rubber meets the road, there still might be a few more weeks or months 
um, of Treasury Department maneuvers that would stave off debt. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, you could ask any American family right now going through inflation on how they manage their finances and give some advice. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so before I let you go, can you give us uh, your thoughts on the James Comer and Chuck Grassley letter demanding uh, alleged FBI information on a criminal scheme involving Biden? It's remarkable. So, I mean, you know, I would say it's outlandish, but we've got two very senior lawmakers here. I mean, Grassley is the ranking member on the Senate Budget Committee, and Comer is uh, the chairman of the House uh, Oversight and Government Reform Committee. So uh, this is one of the situations where the FBI, well, I'll say this, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I mean, we've got two lawmakers here who are investigating uh, the incumbent president, as is their right. Yeah. Um, the legislature has plenary, investi- uh, plenary investigatory powers. Um, this, the, there's no way that the executive branch is going to comply with this informational request. It will, in all likelihood, lead to litigation if Comer and Grassley uh, remain steadfast in their request for this information. And I'll say this. Uh, this is sort of like uh, we spoke of this dynamic uh, a couple weeks ago with respect to uh, 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 House oversight of the New York DA's yeah. uh, prosecution of Trump. That is to say, there was a lot of law made during the Trump administration regarding the Congress's uh, plenary investigatory uh, uh, regarding the Congress's investigatory power over the president, yeah. and uh, uh, that law seemingly would apply to situations such as this. So. Um, uh, that is to say, um, in the, what is certain to be perhaps a legal fight, uh, I think the, the lawmakers are on solid ground yeah. and what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Ah, no question. In fact, it, to me, it just appears that the vice is slowly closing on the Biden cr- criminal uh, cartel. So we'll see, stay tuned. We'll see how this all ends up. William Yateman, again, senior legal fellow with the uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. PacificLegal.org is the website. William, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Sally Williams. Uh, She is the chair for uh, a terrific organization, Books for Collier Kids. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University Wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the Wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Ryan Young. He is a senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Right now we have with us Sally Williams. She is a, the chairperson for Books for Call Your Kids. Sally, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Say, before I ask you about uh, Books for Call Your Kids, I wonder if you have any thoughts or comments about the uh, new superintendent of schools in Collier County. Well, we are thrilled. Uh, thank you so much for asking. Uh, congratulations, obviously, to Dr. Leslie Riccardelli. We are so pleased with the school board's uh, selection and recognition that uh, she is the best candidate for the position. As you may know, uh, Leslie was raised here in Collier County, attended Lake Park Elementary School as a child, um, attended um, a variety of different Collier County schools as she was going through her growing up years, uh, received her degrees in teaching and education. Uh, she has been a teacher a assistant principal, principal, assistant superintendent, most recently the interim superintendent. Uh, so she truly is a homegrown, dedicated, enthusiastic, and highly recognized uh, leader. Uh, we are just so very pleased and congratulate the school board on their selection, uh, which in our, our opinion is Books for Kyer Kids is the very best uh, decision uh, for our students, teachers, uh, parents and the whole community, and uh, congratulations to uh, Dr. Leslie Riccardelli. All right, uh, Sally. Well, thank you for those comments. Let's move to books for Caillou kids. Maybe I'm sure many of our listeners are not familiar with the organization. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, sure. Um, I think a um, an appropriate metaphor for books for Caillou kids is the children's book uh, Little Blue Train. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Mm -hmm. Well, as we remember that children's book um, and the determination of the little blue train, uh, similarly, the volunteers of Books for Collier Kids um, are steadfastly committed to providing new, high-quality books for young children in need here in our community. Um, since uh, 2005, uh, we started as a chapter of the international organization called First Book, mm -hmm. and then in 2017, we incorporated as our own nonprofit called Books for Call Your Kids. Uh, since 2005, we have distributed, wait for this, more than 1.6 million new high-quality age and curriculum-appropriate books to children right here in Collier County to take home, share, and cherish. Uh, we are an all-volunteer organization, no staff. So impressive, indeed, and for many of these kids, it's maybe the only book they have. 
Well, that's true, because um, so many of the children, uh, which we often um, don't realize the amount of um, poverty that is actually in our community, and not just out in Immokalee, it's all four corners of our community, mm-hmm. um, and 20, uh, over 20 of the 33 elementary schools in Collier County are identified as Title I, which means 75% or more of the children, and oftentimes it's closer to 99%, uh, rely on the free and reduced-cost meal program. Um, We now distribute books to 29 of the 33 elementary schools, and we'll be adding another two or three uh, schools uh, this this coming um, autumn. Very impressive. Over a million books. That costs a lot of money. How are you funded? Well, it's all private philanthropy, and we have uh, what we like to call uh, tremendous buying power. Uh, We buy books at um, deeply discounted prices, Mm -hmm. brand new books, Mm -hmm. uh, mostly all are hardcover, uh, but books that you and I would um, buy at either Amazon or Barnes & Noble for $10, $15, $20 a piece, uh, we can typically buy for $2 a piece. Wow. And that's thanks to uh, uh, book publishers um, donating books to uh, First Book Marketplace and the Book Bank. And you also received some very generous grants from the community here as well. Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, Recently, we just um, received a grant from the League Club of uh, $19,500, which will fund um, all of the books for three of those elementary schools, uh, for pre-K, kindergarten, first and second grade children. And then uh, most uh, just uh, recently, again, we received a $5,000 grant from the Marco Island Fund at the Community Foundation, um, and that will fund um, all of the books for, again, kindergarten, first and second graders um, here on Marco Island uh, for those at Tommy Barfield Elementary School. And so we're very uh, pleased and proud of the support that we get from our grantors as well as our donors. So are there opportunities for volunteering or uh, could you use some donations? Uh, Well, we could always use donations. And um, the volunteers, um, we work closely with um, FineMark. And um, thanks to um, Adria and her philosophy of having um, her employees volunteer, uh, they help out with book sorting. Um, we use two different warehouses. Uh, one is up in Fort Myers, uh. and the other is the school's warehouse. But we can always use um, more um, volunteers to help with the uh, book distribution. And um, Beth Thompson, who herself w- um, is the retired assistant superintendent of um, Collier County Schools, is our volunteer coordinator. Outstanding. And before I let you go, uh, you have a program called Summer Slide. Yes. Um, Unfortunately, um, oftentimes, particularly for children um, who um, are from uh, uh, disadvantaged families, uh, they may be making great progress as far as their reading skills during the school year, but uh, come uh, uh, May and June when the schools let out, Um, they oftentimes will lose um, a third or more of their reading skills over the summer if they don't have books to read. So we partner with 
um, a number of the different learning programs that have summer programs, such as Boys and Girls Club, the Y, um, Manatee and Element, uh, Parkside Elementary, Grace Place, etc. Um, and we provide uh, more than 15,000 books to the various summer programs so the children continue to receive a book a month. And that's basically how we uh, provide books to the Collier County School System is we provide a book a month to all of the children in those grades uh, for them to take home, share, and cherish. Again, Sally Williams, uh, uh, Chair for Books for Collier Kids. Such an exciting program, and it's so... Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, just, just making great contributions to the community. I encourage you to visit the website, booksforcollierkids.org booksforcollierkids.org. There you can make a contribution. You can find out more about this terrific organization. Sally, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so very much, Bob, and I hope you have a great week. I hope you do as well. All right, coming up, Megan Rose. She is the CEO of Better Together. What's that all about? What an impressive program. We'll be doing that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. I served as board chairman of uh, Golf Shore Playhouse for 15 years. I'm so proud of everything they've accomplished now. I hope you'll check out the website, uh, make a contribution, get tickets. They've got some great productions coming up. You can find out more by going to the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll talk about a slow start to the uh, re-election. President Biden and Vice President Harris don't even look like they care, having put up a simple video to announce their plans, and then nothing's happened. Axios has a good story about how bad it's going. They report, for example, that Biden's announced his re-election bid before his campaign was ready to go, and now he's hustling to build up an organization that could take on GOP frontrunner Donald Trump, who announced his campaign nearly six months ago. It's just so impressive. Uh, what uh, you bet again, you know, just watched what he did in the last campaign. I wonder if they have a big program put together to steal the election. We'll see. I found this so impressive. America's happiest people value community and close personal relationships, as well as a belief in God. They also uh, generally are older. Those are some of the conclusions from the latest Wall Street Journal NORC poll that found only 12% of Americans described themselves as very happy. According to the Wall Street Journal, that's 12% was the lowest score ever recorded in a nonpartisan and objective research organization, NORC, at uh, University of Chicago's General Sur- uh, Social Survey that dates back to 1972. The latest survey of 1,019 adults also found that large majorities uh, felt pessimistic about the economy and prospects for the next generation. About uh, 30% rated themselves as, as the lowest level of happiness, stating they were not too happy. However, majority, 56% of those surveyed said they were pretty happy. The respondents also said they were, uh, who said they were very happy, overwhelmingly, said they valued strong relationships. Some 67% reported that marriage is very important to them regardless of their own marital status compared to 43% of the respondents overall. So religious, uh, pretty happy, strong relationships. Uh, uh, The very happy people said they believe in God is important to them, and two-thirds describe themselves as very to moderately religious compared to less than half of adults overall. They also felt strongly about community involvement and compared to other groups, and while they tended to be satisfied with their finances, money wasn't high on their list of priorities. During the interviews, the respondents said their happiness was due partly to their personalities, but they also shared one other common trait, fitness. And the very happy tended to be older. People ages 60 and older accounted for 30% of the survey, but 44% of the happiest group. Isn't that interesting? Robust social connections are what make people happier and physically uh, healthier. Researchers took, uh, tracked the lives of 724 men from their teenage years to old age and found that most powerful indicator of success and happiness doesn't lie in their genes, wealth, or social class or IQ. The results of the study clearly show that people who nurture good relationships lead happier and healthier lives. It's not necessarily about being married or living with someone, since people who can be lonely in a marriage and thrive in being living alone. But what is important is to have friends and loved ones you can talk with and rely on at all hours of the day or night, says, says the Harvard researchers. That's such interesting information. Reminds me of uh, Abraham Lincoln said, you know, uh, most people are just about as happy as they decide they want to be. 
And I agree with that. To me, uh, happiness is a decision. You decide to be happy. Otherwise, you're dependent upon the things that are external to yourself, such as money, uh, status, and all these things that perhaps just shouldn't matter as much as they do to some people. And the point being is if you just decide to be happy, uh, content, show, demonstrate gratitude for the things that are going on in your life, just for the, the fact that you're alive and for good health or the health that you have, uh, to me, I think that's the, the, the very beginning of a healthy life, in my opinion. Also, a warning on loneliness, just to coincide with this. Uh, yesterday, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, I didn't know that he was our Surgeon General, but nevertheless, he declared loneliness as a public health epidemic. Murthy said half of the U.S. adults experience loneliness and that it could be as dangerous as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Research over the years has also found isolation can lead to sleep issues, depression, anxiety, heart disease, stroke, dementia, and a pandemic only exacerbated by those problems. Now, in an 82-page advisory, Murthy outlined a framework to repair social connection. It recommends boosting social infrastructures with volunteer organizations, public transportation, and green spaces. It also encourages the government to track and stop harmful policies, products, and services that further isolate people. Uh, Would that include masking and uh, lockdowns? Oh, yes, absolutely it would. However, the advisor, which came during Mental Health Awareness Month, didn't mention whether the new federal funding will be allocated to combat this epidemic. So interesting. So again, loneliness, the opposite side to happiness. You need uh, to achieve happiness. Make sure you're well-connected. Reach out. Make connections. I never forget a good friend of mine uh, when his wife died. He made a point of telling us that uh, a couple of our friends, you know, I'm right now reaching out. I want to make sure that I'm maintaining relationships. It's, he, I've been told this is what's going to keep me healthy and going. So uh, good admonition from him. Former, uh, <clears throat> former uh, CEO of a major company in the United States. Tucker Carlson is expected to appear at a fundraiser in Alabama this week, a little more than a week after Fox News dropped him. Uh, scheduled for 7 p.m. on Thursday, the event is being held by Rainbow Omega, a group that's said to be dedicated to providing care to adults with developmental disabilities. What a guy Tucker Carlson is. <clears throat> uh, Tim Hodge, the CEO of Rainbow o- Omega, uh, told uh, said that Carlson was booked for the event last fall. He'll be here this Thursday, he said, assuring the old, uh, news outlet, adding he's honored, and he says he would what he would do. This is just... Uh, terrific news. Tucker Carlson, by the way, if you take a look at what's happening to Fox News, their uh, viewership has dropped so dramatically. I think in, t- in terms of the network, over 45% overall uh, loss of viewership. Just incredible stuff. And uh, he's, a, you know what, fr- frankly, I, I don't like to turn into Fox anymore. I, Tucker Carlson was such an important event. Watching him, Tucker Carlson tonight at 8 o'clock, uh, always informative, always interesting, always an interesting point of view of what's going on, but also, in my opinion, truthful. And that's what he brought to us. And uh, I hope he lands on his feet. I know he's got some exciting plans. Been offered over $25 million from one outlet, $100 million for over five years with another outlet and with uh, the CEO of uh, uh, pro- programming. He'd be running the entire program for this one network. So Tucker's, Tucker's going to be fine, uh, Fox News. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. 
<clears throat> okay, coming up. <clears throat> oh, I, I want to remind you that uh, Lulabee's Diner is offering dinner uh, Wednesday through uh, Saturday evenings, 4 to 8 p.m. Now, they have great breakfast and lunch. If you haven't been there for breakfast or lunch, it's absolutely fabulous. It's in the Green Tree Shopping Center. But now dinner and the chef is just fantastic. I can vouch for it. And I hope you'll visit Lulabee's Diner. You don't need a reservation. It's very casual. And again, 4 to 8 p.m. Wednesday through Friday. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Ryan Young. He is the uh, senior uh, economist at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They uh, know the politics and the policy, and they prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. Uh, right now we have with us uh, Ryan Young. He is the senior economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Ryan. Tell us about the Competitive Enterprise Institute. We're a think tank headquartered in Washington, and we specialize in all kinds of regulation, whether it's labor or environments or antitrust. Um, if it's regulation, we cover it. A fantastic organization uh, and uh, so informative as well. Now, Ryan, uh, you wrote, uh, had uh, expressed some opinions about uh, the first quarter GDP. It's got went up 1.1%, a little tepid in some people's view, but what are your thoughts on that? 
It's uh, it's about more than just this month's reading. It's the long-term effects of COVID. Uh, we had a healthy economy that was hit by a pandemic and slowed down, and now we're coming out of it. Uh, the trouble is that during the pandemic, Washington badly overreacted. Uh, the Fed created $5 trillion of, of new money that caused inflation that we're still dealing with today. Um, and uh, all the new spending and regulations are going to slow down the economy for years to come. So the economy's underlying uh, situation is more or less healthy, but we're still dealing with some hangover effects from that hyper-stimulus that happened during the pandemic. So it could be worse, but it could also be better. Yeah, and that, you know, uh, we know that the money is spent, and that's going to not naturally be inflationary. Uh, but uh, this 2%, they want to move the inflation back to 2% as the, the, the goal. It just makes me wonder, under the circumstances, uh, won't this just do more harm trying to get down to 2%? We, the news came out, come out, came out yesterday that the more banks are beginning to fail. We're seeing uh, real stretching and pain on, on smaller banks and institutions. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just yesterday the Fed did raise rates again, um, but they've had rates artificially low for a decade and a half now, and now that rates are getting back to a more realistic, a more natural level, um, we're seeing some cracks start to show um, with Silicon Valley Bank and some of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, they reacted badly to those bad incentives, so you had a mix of bad management and bad policy, mm. uh, and while I don't think we're going to have a systemic bank failure, it's not that surprising that once rates started going up, which was forced by the inflation that the Fed caused in the first place, um, that we're going to see a few things. Um, so basically, we have a choice between two bads. We have a risk of recession and a risk of some bank failures versus the risk of long-term inflation. The inflation is worse. So in, in a question of pick your bads, I think the Fed is, is this time around making the right decision. Although, again, we're just paying for mistakes that they made a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, are, is it possible that we end up with both, what we'd call stagflation? We have inflation as well as uh, a re, uh, recession? There's a risk. So far, the economy is holding a lot better than I thought it would, which mm. is fantastic news. The labor market's still strong. Unemployment is still low, although it's not perfect. Um, and growth is still positive. Um, 1.1% isn't great. It should be at least double that during good times. Uh, but the fact that it is still positive after what the Fed's done with 10 consecutive rate increases, um, that's better than I thought it would do, and I will take that. Yeah, you make a good point. I just uh, I just wonder, though, if uh, uh, if we had prolonged uh, inflation at, at, say, something controlled like 5% or 4%, wouldn't that be better than trying to get down to 2%? I don't know about that, because when you mess with the price system, you mess with everything. Mm-hmm. Recessions usually last less than a year. Um, so you can, again, it's a pick your two bads. There are no good options, and a lot of that is Congress and the president's fault and the Federal Reserve's fault. So they've, they've put us in the situation by overreacting to COVID a couple of years ago. Yeah. And now we're dealing with the long-term effects of their short-term actions. Um, so... Again, it's pick your beds. Sometimes that's how life works. Yeah, I see. Okay, well, how about this uh, uh, debt ceiling uh, default uh, that, that now is under discussion? seems to me that Janet Yellen perhaps has a little bit more discretion than she's letting on with regard to paying, setting aside some bills, for example, funding pensions and so forth, and, and funding other stuff, for example, the debt. What are your thoughts? I think she does, but even the largest tools that she has because of the scale of the problem would buy at most a few weeks, maybe a month, uh, before the ceiling gets reached. Uh, the government spends so much money and runs such a massive deficit that there's 
something has to give, and in this case, it's probably going to be the Republicans. Hmm. Uh, I know that you're not a a political guy here, but it just seems to me that uh, McCarthy could simply say, well, when you're ready to negotiate, give us a call, we'll (laughs) we'll be there. But if you're not willing to negotiate, what's the sense of a meeting? Yeah, um, I do think the White House will um, revise its stance that it wouldn't negotiate at all. They did have a sit-down with uh, all four congressional leaders, the uh, majority and minority leaders from each party in each chamber of Congress. Um, I don't think much came of that, and I don't think much will, but I think uh, the president will concede a couple token points to the Republicans, and then they'll agree on an increase. Um, but the the threat of a default um the Republicans will get blamed for it justly or not. That's just how the public perception will go. So the Republicans probably are not in the strongest bargaining position, which means they're not going to get a whole lot of what they want, which is unfortunate because they're starting to include some very good things in their proposal, including some regulatory reform um, that would boost economic growth as well as reducing spending. You know, it's interesting, Ryan, that uh, apparently Biden said that we've never, ever defaulted on our debt and we never will. Uh, actually, he was fact-checked, apparently, on uh, Twitter. And uh, they have some sort of a, a group thing, that, uh, that so they do some fact-checking. And he said, no, actually, the government has defaulted on three different occasions. Uh, is it really as uh, dramatic and as important? Is it really this chicken little thing that's going on right now? Um, it's not now, um, but given the long-term situation where we have a deficit, our national debt that now is greater than GDP, mm-hmm. as well as $100 trillion in unfunded liabilities just from Medicare and Social Security, um, something has to give. If something cannot go on forever, it must stop. Yeah. And Congress has been, and the presidents from both parties have been kicking the can down the road mm-hmm. for decades now. They have to do something, and frankly, I don't think they're going to do it now. And that's, that's unfortunate, because the longer they put it off, the worse the eventual pain is going to be. Yeah, unfortunately, in politics, it's usually uh, the uh, the ribbon cutting that's important to them, not the long term plans. So they're pretty much looking at what's uh, what's best for us today, and not not what's best for the American public going forward. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's that's their built in incentive. They're always going to act that way, and reformers are having a heck of a time getting anyone on Capitol Hill or in the White House to ever take the long view. It's it's just not their nature, and they have no incentive to. Ryan Young, again, Senior Economist with the Competitive Enterprise Institute. I believe the website is CEI.org. That's right, CEI.org. Yeah, I hope you check it out. It's a terrific organization. Ryan, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did and learned a lot. Uh, I encourage you to... uh, uh, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. I would really appreciate that. we got great guests coming up uh, on <clears throat> Monday. Mark Schulman is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau chief, very knowledgeable about what's happening in the inside the Beltway. But also, he's written three novels, his latest, No Problem, uh, a really a great uh, murder mystery, no problem by Jim McTagg. Uh, I uh, I hope you'll join us on Monday. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail dot com. bobharden at hotmail dot com. I hope you make it a great day or weekend on the Paradise Coast and wherever you are. Namaste. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.